Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. The key to winning big is using every little bit of knowledge to your advantage. At Odds Checker, we give you the edge. Better odds, better picks, and better offers to make you a better better. Why settle for less? Quickly compare the odds at every sportsbook to ensure that you're getting the best price to maximize your return. Visit us at www.oddschecker.com backslash US. Odds Checker. Sports betting smarter. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's March 13th, 2020. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Are you uh, superstitious? Do you think that uh, March 13th, uh, Friday the 13th... Uh, Scary day for you, or is every day scary for you? No, no. I will walk under a ladder carrying a black cat tomorrow. But you know, a lot of gamblers are though. Like a lot of people. Yes. Will, well, I mean, I don't really consider poker gambling unless you're horrible at it. But yeah, a lot of people are like that though. Lucky <laughs> rabbits. Dollar bills. Yep. Yep. Rub things, make them wash the cards. <laughs> it's what, what makes it easy to beat those people. That's right. That's right. They identify themselves as rubes. Not using logic, so we are using logic. <laughs> Spock of poker world. Excellent. <laughs> All right, well, I got some travel coming up here, Chris. So Yay. I'm hoping some of our fans will fly out and join me at a couple of these great events. So first up, the Andy Up Spring uh, Poker Classic at Gila River Hotels Casinos Viquiva near Phoenix kicks off this Saturday and will run through March 29th. The 21 event series culminates in a four-flight, $1,100 main event the winner of which will appear on the cover of Annie Up. The schedule is full of variety, including two Omaha events, a women's championship, three multi-game events, and a triple draw event. I will be there March 23rd, the day after my birthday, so be sure to buy me a gift. Nice. And uh, then I'll stay to the end of the series, so stop in and say hi. And full details on this entire event can be found at antiupmagazine.com slash thequiva. And then... <laughs> and then traveling I again. Leave, I will leave from there and fly north uh, because I will be an official Thunder Buddy for this year's Thunder Buddies Bo- uh, Bounty Poker Tournament at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California, on April first. Not superstitious about Fool's Day, April Fool's Day either. So. All right, right. Uh, buy-in for that event is $570, includes a high-stakes steakhouse reception and golf tournament at Whitney Oaks Golf Club on March 31st, and all players in the $50,000 guaranteed poker tournament are bounties. And if you knock out any of the Thunder Buddies, including Matt Savage or myself or any of the other ones, you'll get a sweet prize in addition. And more details on that are available on Thunder Valley's website. So is it obvious that this is a a, a play on Ted, the movie, or is a Thunder Buddy an actual thing? Uh, no, it was, it was clearly stolen from the movie Ted. Okay, so good. My understanding was... Uh, Oh, and because uh, they, you know, the the new room um, opened, uh, I believe it was three years ago now, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And so then they did an anniversary last year. Um, and Matt and Ben were sitting around with some other folks and uh, they're talking about how the, the poker room had so many good friends in the industry, right? And, uh, and then they got around to buddies and then they thought about Thunder and Thunder buddies that came. And so this is the second year they've been doing the Thunder buddies with uh, all this stuff. So in my first year being an official Thunder buddy, I was an unofficial one uh, two years ago. So. Wow. You're moving up in the world. Very excited, very excited. Excellent, so, very good. So hopefully we'll see lots of uh, our friends in Phoenix, and then uh, maybe some will follow me all the way up to California. Uh, but if not, uh, those ones that live up there, come and, uh, come and knock out easy money. Scott Long Thunder, buddy. I love Ted. I didn't love Ted, too. Oh, I like them both. I like them both for different reasons. Yeah, no, I did too, but I like Ted better than Ted, too. Well, I like them Just both. how it goes, except for the Godfather movie. But other than that, you know. <laughs> I loved when they called, what, what was the, that woman's name in the movie that they called her... Uh, Gollum or whatever. <laughs> that was hilarious. What was her name? Amanda Seafried or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, Sam, Sam Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> they called her. Oh, man. That was funny. But I, I really liked the first one better. Just they, I was literally crying in the theater laughing at that movie. And uh, the other thing about the Thunder Buddies this year, part of the series they're doing, they've been talking about this for a year, too, or maybe a couple years. They're doing the Leaning Tower of Chips. Ooh. It's a big, massive, deep stack tournament, and uh, my understanding is everybody, the tournament directors, are going to be dressed uh, like Venetian gondola, <laughs> gondola drivers. What, what do you call gondola? Uh, rowers. Gond- rowers. Gond- they're just called gondoliers, <laughs> I think, or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say they probably have a really official name that I just booked. Yeah. But, but it's so hard, you know. I try to figure it out, but you know, the internet doesn't allow me to research Italy right now. So. Oh man, that's hilarious. So, whole country's closed. So. That's hilarious. <laughs> So this is the only way you can experience Italy right now is to come play in the Leaning Tower of Chips. That's right. Thunder Buddies. That's right. Order yourself a pizza and sit back. (laughs) All right. This year's Global Poker Awards were handed out this week in Las Vegas and live streamed on Poker Go. Among the winners were Jamie Kurtstetter for Twitter Personality of the Year, Stephen Chidwick for Player's Choice for Toughest Opponent, Matt Savage for Tournament Director of the Year, Jonathan Little for People's Choice for Poker Personality of the Year, and two awards to Joey Ingram for his work on the Mike Postel investigation and lots of other winners just too. But those those are the ones that I thought were most interesting. That's cool. I, I would I would not disagree with Stephen Chidwick how phenomenal he plays and you know, like I said, we talked about that a little before, like how are they gonna if the people choose this guy, but it's still that was a pretty good choice, I think. I think that's the right way to go. Well it was interesting is that was players choice. Yeah. Or the other ones were people's choice. Yeah, that's true too. So I don't know whether, yeah. I don't How do they know if you were a player, though? When yes, exactly. Going online exactly. and voting. But I, <laughs> I applaud them for doing it. I think they got it right, so that's that's all that matters. And Matt yes. Savage, you knew he was going to win, right? He just He's just the greatest. Yeah, well, you know, I think uh, last year it was Paul Campbell from Aria who came up with a great big blind Annie, right? So yeah. you know, those, those two are always going to be in competition uh, going forward. But uh, always happy when Matt gets his due for all he does for the poker world. And uh, our former columnist, uh, Jonathan Little, was very nice to see Poker Personality of the Year. Um, yeah. Always happy to see somebody that we actually think is a good guy get some of those awards. So. Yeah, yeah, very good. And then, of course, the last one, Joey Ingram with his work on the Mike Postel. That thing is still going on, and that leads right into our next uh, next item here. Right. And it said, uh, Stone's Gambling Hall has filed to have a lawsuit against it as part of the Mike Postel incident thrown out, saying, quote, this lawsuit reflects the oldest complaint of gamblers that their lack of success means they were cheated. The casino has asked for an April 6th hearing on its motion. Hmm. 
So yeah. essentially what they're saying, if you're sitting at home and upset about this whole thing, which most poker players are, right. is uh, Stones had no role in any of this. Um, the tournament director that is part of the lawsuit is a separate entity, as is Mike Postel. Um, and uh, they, they haven't asked for those uh, folks to be removed from the lawsuit, only the casino. Um and uh, but their their argument I think is going to get some people kind of upset, right? Yeah, <laughs> that, that quote right there does it. Yes, essentially saying, "Hey, if you don't win, doesn't mean that you're cheated. It just means you you weren't all that good." So, um, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, I mean, I think uh, obviously as we watch the more investigations into this, uh, even though uh, I don't want to say I was dubious from the beginning, I, I was um, waiting, wanting more facts to to base a decision on, but. Uh, the more they come out, the more it does look like something happened there. So that might be a little difficult to explain, other than to explain, hey, we we provided a venue, and if people decided to cheat within the venue, that wasn't our fault. Yeah, I mean, that, to me, that could have gotten the same point across, I think. I mean, it, to, to now have that sort of pot shot at the players is tough to take. Um, you know, like, this is a very simple whatever way of looking at it but you're walking in the in the side of the casino and you do something to somebody that person now sues you sues the, the place the location you're in it's like always like the most frivolous lawsuit possible to attach them right. to it you know um you know something as simple as you know hey i bet you that that guy's gonna come out of the bathroom before the other guy or something and then you lose and you sue him because you he knew the guy was gonna come out because he's friends with him so you cheated him out of his money not gonna sue stones gambling because of it you know i mean obviously stones gambling didn't regulate that game but there's no way they could have known this was going on i I, unless they were implicated somehow or they actually helped him cheat or helped someone cheat or whatever i don't see how they could i don't know if they can or not but that whole quote there was pretty sour tasting yeah. Well, but what's interesting about that quote too is that this is how they're going to argue this. They to, to 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 prevail, I would think. Again, I'm not an attorney. Right, um, right. But I think if they're going to prevail, they're going to need to prove that there that there wasn't any cheating, or at least not prove that, but at least um, put enough evidence forward that what's come out um, does not constitute cheating. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it would be a huge lift to. Postal's case. The other folks, right? right? Yeah, and whoever was on the suit, yeah. Because if they say, yeah, you're right, you shouldn't be held because these guys were beaten. Now it's also, see, they were beaten. I didn't cheat them. Now I win, right? It's like an unlikely default. Interesting quote there. It'll be a really interesting, uh, if they do get the hearing and it does go their way, it'll be really interesting to see what happens from there. I mean, they could stipulate, too, within the ruling that we're letting you go because of our own logic that you aren't responsible for this action but it's not that these people lost, or I still feel they're cheated. But again, cheated, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know if they can do that. I, I know. Think. I don't know either. By choosing these words, they're very, very focused on the fact that they believe there was no cheating going on. So yeah, they're tying themselves. Again, I don't to think that they quote. need to prove that, but I think they need to at least, again, not a lawyer, just yeah, watch yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> I think they just need to put enough out there that uh, the jury says, "Hey, we can't can't guarantee that cheating happened here, so we're going to let you out." At which case, then the other two have a very, very much stronger case at that point. So, you know, if they did a remake of Matlock, I think you could pull that role off. Oh yeah, I could, I could be Andy Griffith. No the, Andy, the Andy Griffith, uh, they got a little work on your Southern accent, but I think yeah, you're yeah, right. Even even being in Florida for twenty some years, I have not picked that. Up. No, me neither. 
southern yeah. accent. Oh, what so. are you gonna do? <laughs> but I definitely have the chub and uh, the chub. Where I come from, that means something very different. <laughs> oh my god! You had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> no, I'm just saying it just did. I mean, just when you said that's why it made me laugh out loud because I made it funnier than it actually was <laughs> in my head. <laughs> okay, any updates? Join the Annie Up Fans Group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call the floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Annie Up logo designs on merchandise at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash shop to check out t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and more with your choice of Annie Up Magazine, Annie Up Poker Cast, or Annie Up Poker Tour logos. Also, we love hearing from you, so if you have a hand of the week or a listener spotlight or some sort of call-the-floor submission, email us at podcast at AnnieUpMagazine.com or post in the Annie Up Fans group on Facebook, and uh, we'll hopefully get you on a future show. We have a new O'Malley's move. Can't wait. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated in a $1, $2, no-limit-hold'em friendly home game. We've busted out once already and are currently on our second buy-in. We've been playing around four hours and sit with pretty much our second buy-in of $200. The game is seven-handed. The blinds post, the under the gun folds, the MP limps for $2, and we look down at the ace of spades, ten of spades. This is a decent hand, seven-handed, and with only two players left to act, I'd like to buy the button. We make it $8 to go. Three times as standard in this game, but we account for the limper. It's folded back around to the MP, who calls. This player is a solid player. He can be a little loose, bluffs in the right spots, will fold if pressured enough, but generally knows the spots to take advantage of. He sits with 250. There's $19 in the pot, and the flop is the queen of spades, 10 of clubs, 7 of spades. The MP checks to us. This is a good flop for our hand. We have middle pair and the nut flush draw. We decide to bet. And at this point in the hand, I think we want a call. We make it $15 to go. Our opponent thinks for a brief moment before calling. There's $49 in the pot, and the turn is the five of hearts. Once again, our opponent checks. This is a very safe card for our hand. If we weren't beat before, there's no way we're beat now. Could he be playing something like King Jack? Maybe Jack Nine of Spades? We elect to make a bet again and put in $35. Our opponent once again calls after some thought. With 119 in the pot, the river is a disappointing four of diamonds. Once again, our opponent checks. So, there's 119 in the pot, and we have 142 left in our stack. What's the move? It's time to the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And if you listened last week, you remember that uh, our good friend from the cruise, Jonathan Ottenmacher, uh, sent us two hands. So we went through one last week, and uh, this week we will be talking about the second one. Okay. All right, so again, this was from our Annie Poker Cruise. It's in a 1-3 uh, no-limit cash game. And uh, he says the uh, middle position player this time, Chris, is the effective stack with $320. And our hero has 350. That middle position player raises to 15, and there are three callers, and we are in the big blind with the nine of hearts, eight of spades. 
Yeah. I don't know. I think if I'm Scott Long, I fold. Yeah, I think Scott if I'm Long really yeah, if I have a huge stack and I'm just I can read all these people and I could they're all on tilt and I know they'll just take me flopping two pair and getting them to bust. Then, it, but really, if I'm just in a game where I'm kind of struggling a little bit and not really making the best decisions and I'm going to be out of position basically for the whole hand. Uh, you know what? Just because it's nine eight and you got some decent money to call, I don't know if I'm going to in this situation. I don't think it's really an, a positive EV situation for me, so I'm probably just letting it go. Yeah, and I would say you know the difference between suited and non-suited is is much um, smaller than people think it is. Uh, but this is a scenario where I think it's it's really screaming because if you're going to play out of position and play two to uh, low cards like this, uh, I think you want them to be suited uh, just for that added protection of that flush being better than the straight. So here we're, we're really playing for trips or yeah. or straight, even two pair. I'm not too excited about with nine eight, depending what else is on the board. So at this point, uh, there is a lot of money in there. There, are, you know, four people in it for fifteen bucks plus the small blind. Um, but we're really going to work hard to win this hand. So uh, tournament, different story depending on our stack. Cash game, no reason for me to get involved in a hand like this, I don't think. So I'm folding. Yeah, I agree. All right. Our hero says, I think I'm getting decent odds with that many callers to see what the flop brings and hit it harder, get out. So, well, at least uh, if you realize you need to hit it harder, get out. That's always the next yeah, piece of advice. Exactly. Right? So. Exactly. All right. Uh, pot was around $75, and uh, the effective stack now is 305 Flop is Jack, 10, Trey, all hearts. And remember, we have the nine of hearts. We are first to act. Well, let's see. We have an open-ended straight draw. We have one heart for a blocker. Yeah, I, I, again, I didn't even want to play this hand, so <laughs> um, <That's right. laughs> I'm probably just checking uh, and just seeing what it's going to cost me. Because if somebody's got an overpair and I bet out, and if they have a heart in their hand, or if somebody has ace-king with a heart in their hand, or if they've already flopped the flush already, I'm just wasting money because there's no way I'm going to get it all in on a straight draw when hearts are already possible. So I'm just checking, and I don't even know how much I'm going to be willing to call if there's a bet anyway. So... This is why I didn't want to play the hand in the first place, because I'm out of position. It's not a great hand. And even now, we have a flush draw, but it's a horrible flush draw. You know, it'd be one thing if it was, you know, ace, eight of hearts or something, or ace of hearts, eight or something, you know, whatever. But in this case, it's a connector that's not even suited, and I hate this hand. So I'm checking. I, there's no way I bet in the people who have been aggressive. So. And the other thing, too, is we can't even be excited about our straight draw here, right? So, um, so yeah, I... I'm actually kind of hoping for a check around here, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, I think really any reasonable bet here pots seventy five dollars. Even if somebody puts twenty five in third of the pot, I'm a little worried about committing that at this point. So, yeah. yeah. All right, our hero checks. The uh, middle business player who remember was the initial raiser bets thirty. Uh, two players full, but one calls, and it's back to us. I just, I'm just getting out. I, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm check folding. I, there's no way I'm investing more money here. You know, I know the betting ends with me, and that's fine. But really, your outs are it better not be the seven of hearts, right? Because that's just going to put four hearts up there, and you only get a nine heart flush. So you have three sevens that maybe give you the hand that you could already be losing, and you're already a drawing dead. You know, except for runner, runner, straight flush cards. 
um, which would be the seven hearts. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't like this at all. I'm just, I'm just getting out. I was in the blind. I shouldn't have played the hand. I didn't hit it the way I wanted to hit it. And now it's so wet that there's just no reason for you to stay in and uh, I'm out. So I'm folding. Yeah, I think the the real challenge here is that um, you know the the chances of somebody flopping a flush are you know minimal, right? And particularly the, the person that raised pre flop, probably a little less likely though they could be sitting on an ace king of hearts or something like that. Um, but then we have this other caller involved now, right? Yeah, so yeah. Um, I think you know, assuming nobody has the flush already, we could be up against two people with a heart in their hand, and both of those hearts are going to be higher than our nine. So if that fourth heart comes, we are really finished, in my opinion. Um, And right now, we still have nine high, so we still have to hit something to win anyhow, which is probably going to have to be our straight, right? Um, So we really have two streets of danger here where we have to dodge two hearts, and not only dodge two hearts, but also hit something. Yeah, uh, I just don't know. You know, I don't see any reason to commit another thirty bucks here. So, I mean, you literally have six outs, and why? You know, I mean, you're hoping to hit six outs, and even then, they're not really outs because somebody really could have the hearts. And even then, if you make it, they didn't have the hearts. They have another street to make the hearts. On top of that, after if you make yep. it on the turn, so I just you know when we read the theory, I don't know if you read it or not, but the Theory of Poker by Sklansky. Yeah. He used to give half outs to things, you know, like he would say, this is an out for us, this is a half out, you know, and try to do it and stuff. To me, it's like, you know, th- th- there's just, there's so many other outs for these people that may have one heart in their hand and have a jack, you know. They could have ace of hearts, jack of clubs, and they're not going to go anywhere, no matter what you bet. And so I I think you're just, you're just, I don't know, you're just wasting money here. So I'm getting out. All right. Our hero raises to $100. Holy cow. Wow, it'd be one thing if it was a blank board or something, but wow. There's a lot of action well, I going say on. I, I applaud the boldness here because if no one has the made flush now, now you're really putting them to a test to whether they want to continue with his hand and try to pick up that heart on the next two streets. So uh, in that sense, it, it's bold in, in a good way. Now, the problem is if somebody's sitting with hearts, or they have like let's say the ace of hearts and jack of spades or something. Yeah, they're not going anywhere for this hundred dollars. So um, yeah, you're really you're really kind of staring into the soul of your two opponents. And if you feel like they're going to fold here, this this is a great way of picking up a pot that you had no business being in. Um, but I'm assuming that uh, the hand's not going to end here. <laughs> if it doesn't end here, I'm gonna be really interested to see where it goes. Um, yeah, you're gonna because have to now, know. Now you're really committed to betting, really committed to betting on the turn. I think. Yeah. And aside from that, that miracle straight card to come, that's gonna be tough to do. I think. Plus, if it gets back to these people who were aggressive, the first middle position player was aggressive. Now he shoves for whatever he has. Yeah. Right now it's like okay, now you're gonna put in 305 total or whatever it was he had, and you're gonna put oh that was a pot right so. No, the ball same. So what, no, the effect is stack mess. Yeah, okay. Right, so, so, yeah, so basically you're going to put in your whole stack on a draw that could be drawing dead, you know? Uh, it's just yeah, that's, plus that's two a players. If you get yeah. raised here, then um, you got to fold. you got yeah. nothing here. You've wasted yeah. 100 bucks. I got you beat, so, yeah. yeah. It'd be one thing if it was one player and you know how he plays, but bluffing two players or semi-bluffing two players with what could already be a made hand is really asking for trouble. We try to minimize the mistakes you know, in the bad decisions when we play, and this this seems to not be good. 
All right. Well, the middle position player calls, the other player folds. Uh, so we are heads up. And our hero says, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm flipping against over pairs without a heart, but uh, any with a heart had me crushed. And against my made flush, I'm toast as well. Uh, against any made flush, I'm toast as well. Really? Not to mention I'm drawn to the low end of the straight, not the top end. I think I'd be much better off only raising with sets uh, or made flushes. Uh, ace high flush draws with another Broadway car or maybe king queen with a heart. I just got carried away with the idea that I had a straight draw and a flush draw. Didn't think beyond that. I believe mm-hmm. call might be warranted to see what the turn brings. All right. Well, at least you acknowledge your mistake. <laughs> yeah. We, we'll not bash you any more than that. But And I still uh, don't know uh, if I agree with that last part where you said to, uh, just a call for the turn. I, I don't even know if I call the 30. I really don't. I feel like this yeah. is a hand where even if you get there on the turn, you still can't know if you're drawing dead or that you, your hand is dead. And then even if you are good, you still have a street left. Right. No reason to dismiss the made flesh here, other yep. than the ends of it. So yep. we. All right. The pod is round three oh five. Uh, he says the effective stack now is two oh five. Turn is another ten. So our board now is Jack ten, Trey ten, and heads up, and we are first to act. Well, so now you're really screwed because the guy could have been calling with a set of jacks. You know, um, your raise, and now he's filled up, and that's what he's waiting for to see if he'd fill up before he lost to a flush. So now, if the guy's got the boat, you're 100% screwed. Nothing you can do to make him come off the hand. And if he still has, even if he has a 10, what if he was doing with Ace of Hearts and a 10? Now he's got three 10s, and you're never going to get him off the hand, and your straight's probably still not going to be good if you get there because it's probably going to be a heart or something. I mean, I just, there's so many cars that are hurting you, even on the river. But this one hurts the most because he could have quads. He could have jacks full. Or, you know, I mean, the only way is that he thinks that maybe you have that if you do something crazy. I was going to say, that's, that's the way to turn this around now. So if, if we could, in our mind, sell ourselves on the fact that we his call of our big raise was a made flush, this card is scarier to him than it is to us, right? But the only way to really effectively play that is the shove now. I mean, that's the last play we have here, and we have to hope that that's the case. And it very well might work out. Again, if he's on a flush or a flush draw, uh, that probably would work. Uh, if he's not on that, though, then it's going to be an easy call, and we are we have probably zero outs at that point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the only yeah, and the other thing too is that if we're representing three tens. And we're just trying to protect against the flush, then you might get someone to fold. But I think that you said that in a way. I wasn't really sure if that's what you said. Yeah, I mean, I okay. mean, it's reasonable for us to have Jack Ten here the way we played it, right? So that Ten now bolted us up, and if uh, our opponent shove, right? had a flush, we wouldn't. Well, shove. that's probably true, but uh, but I mean, that's the only really reasonable bet here. I mean, what are you going to check after you check raised? On the flop. I mean, that's that's kind of the weird thing now. I mean, this is where you do have the green light to actually shove with, yeah, with their yeah. Because the next bet so, would have been about two hundred or so. Yeah. yeah. So I think you know it just makes sense at that point. So, um, and, and even if you if you did shove there, I mean, uh, I mean, he still has to f- figure out that you're bluffing here to make that call. He doesn't have the flush. So, um, I, I think the way we played it, that's really the only scenario now is to actually shove here and just hope that this card was worse for him than it was for us. Yeah. Man, it's such a finite situation that you've gotten yeah. yourself into. Yeah. Ugh, gross. 
All right, our hero does decide to show. Uh, he says, got to keep up with the aggression, I guess. I think part of my reasoning was that the uh, my opponent had beaten me in a couple of earlier pots, and I wanted revenge. That's always a good That's reason. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant poker logic, he says. Let's see how well that works out. Um, and uh, the opponent calls with the ace of hearts, ace of spades. Hmm. So, yeah, we need a hit now. Yeah. Uh, um, and the river is a blank, and our opponent takes the pot. He says, without the ace of hearts, he might have folded. Uh, but our hero's wife says he thinks he, who was involved in hand last week, as we mentioned. Yeah. I think he was, uh, I was still too much too aggressive, and I definitely agree. Assuming I had instead called on the flop, checked the turn, and my opponent bet a decent amount on the turn, I think um, I, I would fold at that point. Would you agree? Well, we would have folded pre-flop. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, he said, what a dumpster fire of a hand that was. For me, that is, uh, my opponent played great, and he was very fun to play with over the days as well, as were all the other players on the cruise. And, uh, yeah. So. Yeah. It's tough because, you know, that's the very definition of tilt, I think. You know, and it's something that, you know, especially, you know, you're on vacation or if you're, you know, you're just trying to enjoy yourself entertainment-wise for poker, it's not making a living. When that person beats you for a hand earlier, you know, maybe you get up and just walk around and relax for a little bit and then come back, you know, and say, okay, i got to get back to ABC or, or at least solid poker, solid decision-making. And if we want to review the hand, it's a, it's a pretty short show right now, so we should probably go back quick and just think, all right, so pre-flop, you were going to be out of position the whole hand. Right. And you had just connectors. They weren't even suited, and they weren't even good connectors. They were in the middle of the road. It wasn't like, you know, somebody's going to be totally blindsided by the hand you flop before going with nine eight. So to me, all right, there's an easy answer right there is fold that. You know, why if it's a one three game, why call twelve more dollars with a horrible hand that you're going to be out of position with? So that's okay. So you didn't do that. You called, and the flop, all hearts. You know, we have a heart which is a blocker for someone else trying to hit, you know, a fourth heart on the board. But really, our heart is going to be no good. So we're hoping to hit it straight. Well, you got to take the seven of hearts and the queen of hearts out of that. So you have six outs out of 40 whatever unknown cards. And it's like, okay, ugh, am I really going to get somebody's entire stack if a, a seven comes or a queen comes? If a queen comes, you still not might not be good because somebody could have ace-king. So now you're playing to, you know, really the seven. So now you've got... Three outs, really. Yeah. That where yeah. you know you think, and then on top of it, it's really not an out because the hearts could have already made somebody's hand. So at that point, I don't think I am going to call a thirty. And then on top of it, you raise to a hundred, which you know, aggressive poker is winning poker, but it needs to have the proper application. In this case, one guy raised pre-flop and showed aggression. Then an all heart comes, and he doesn't shy away. He bets. And then we have another guy in there calling who's probably not going to go anywhere uh, if you both, you know, make a uh, – if one, you make a little bit of an average raise and the other guy calls, he's not going to go anywhere. So now you're saying, okay, this is, this is like a semi-bluff for me, but I really have to hit the seven to win. I'm really looking at a two-outer. So – or, yeah, three-outer. So, okay, uh, let's try being aggressive and make it 100. So that didn't work because the guy had the ace of hearts in hindsight, but it, it wouldn't have worked if he shoved either because that guy's not going anywhere with an overpair and the nut flush draw. So that wouldn't have worked. So the fold should have happened on the flop. And then if anything, if you're going to do anything there, because you had two players in the hand, I think you have to call there. I, I, I think you want at least more money in the pot. 
which I know you got more money by raising to 100 and got one guy to fold, but normally that guy's probably still coming along if he's got the ace of hearts in his hand. Um, so that another is a mistake. So I think this is not, and he, he agrees the whole way down. He was saying that was a bad move. This is a, you know, horrible logic and everything. But I just think living it, you can see exactly why this guy played his hand the way he did, the middle position player. And uh, at that point, the shove now, that's just, I mean, unless you are positive, this guy's going to think you have, you know, a 10 and now you've gotten three tens. No one would have raised with just a 10 unless it was ace 10 with the ace of hearts. Um, and because he didn't go anywhere on your raise to 100, I don't think a shove's going to make him fold. You know, I mean, the only way he does that is if he's positive, you've now uh, turned a set. And I just don't know if that, or turned to a boat. And I just don't know, he would believe a shove with a boat. You know, three tens aren't going to scare him because he's got the heart draw. So it's, it's. I think every street really was, was really just a, you just building more and more toward tilt and then uh, cost you your whole stack. That's terrible. Or I guess, was it his whole stack? Uh, yeah, yeah. I yeah, pretty much, was, right? Uh, I think. Yeah, the effect. No, well, he saved a little bit, it looks like. All right, he so he had a little bit. So yeah, so. so but. Yeah, I feel like reliving that hand. Yeah, he, I mean, he, he knows what he did wrong. He just wanted to see if we... I don't know why he sent it to us. <laughs> did, he, did he think we were going to like make him? Well, I don't he, know. He probably needed us to agree with the wife mm. uh, uh, that he's overly aggressive in the wrong situations. Um, uh, so I, to me, I think both of these hands uh, was talking about how you do need to be aggressive, but it has to be in the right spot. You can't just be aggressive all the time. Exactly. Because people are going to be able to play well against that, and particularly if they have the goods. So um, you got to know the right places to be aggressive. Uh, and this this wasn't one of them. Um, interesting that our, our player had pocket aces there. Um, you know that's not an easy call to make on that um, that turn. I don't think for us uh, for them. You know, obviously the, the ten helped it a little bit because now he's got two pair and he's got some boat outs. But you know, if you put us on a boat already, that makes it harder. Um, and so at that point, that heart, if it comes, isn't going to help you, right? So very interesting, I think. Um, so in some ways, that, that that shove was the best move there. It just didn't work out. Well, let me ask you, do you think the aces would be afraid of? Because to me, he doesn't think you have a boat, because why would you shove? There's no well, reason to shove. about this, though. I mean, your only bet there was going to be the bet size. So, yeah. I mean, that's – that's I you, it's a coin flip, really, when you're trying to think about that. But you know, if I if I go through those and I'm like, why would you shove a boat there? And then I look at the pot and how much you have. Well, I don't I know would... if I would bet 200, Scott. A 300 dollar pot. I know we raised to 100, so it seems like we should make more on the turn. But a 300 dollar pot, I'm betting a third of the pot. I'm not betting all of it. I'll bet half my yeah, stack there. That's probably, true. that's probably true. You know, and if yeah. I'm trying to get benefit and trying to get value out of this, I'm not going to shove just because it's the right number. I'm trying to get the most out of this guy, hoping he's drawing with the ace of hearts. If I've got a boat. 200 tries to scare him off. So to me, yeah, I think I think this guy doesn't put him on a boat because I think he thinks he'd value bet there a little less than 200. All right, but using that logic, which makes sense, so what what does the our opponent do if we make that $100 bet then? Where we're, we're trying to get him to call here. Does he fold because of that? Whereas in this scenario, he called the 205 instead, the, the, the bigger bet? I think he easily calls the 100. He's got an over pair. Right. He's got so two pair and a heart draw. Yeah. So I think we don't bet. That's what we we did. we we know the right thing to do was to just not bet. Right, but so yeah, that's the point though. So if he's easily going to call there, then we're really not selling a story at that point, you know. Yeah. So we just so that, that's what gets kind of difficult there. So yeah, that's why I check because even if you bet two hundred, there's we, no we story. We put our opponent to the, 
toughest decision we could have, and it just wasn't tough enough. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's a good. Yeah, that's the point. It's not, no matter what. You, if you had like six hundred in front of you, maybe he folds. Yep. You know, if you bet six hundred, you know, and just shove because you and to make it look like you're overplaying it, and he's going to think that, and then fold because he thinks you have the nuts on him already. But the boat, there, the only hand that he could possibly lose to in that part, except for a made flush, and he still has outs to a flush, is a boat. And I don't think he's thinking a boat's going to make that bet. So that was tough. That's tough. Yeah. It seemed like every street he knew he was making a mistake, but just compounded it. Oh, you know what? That's what you learn the most from your mistake. So. Yeah, absolutely. Especially again. when you're honest about it, too, and you're not complaining about bad beats. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Music Network.